Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Table Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, we thought that we should start our podcast off with a little happy story about puppies. Yeah, so, who doesn't love puppies? <laughs> um, sometimes, well, particularly when I have table group, uh, Megan and her family babysit my puppy, and mm-hmm. he gets to play with your puppies. Mm-hmm. And something particularly cute happened the last time they were together you yeah. want to tell us what happened so phil's dog theo is well he is just um i don't know what do you say is the personality trait that has caused him to not do stairs for so long what's <laughs> I don't know, risk him? averse risk averse <laughs> yeah he's like very i don't know he's just not eager to go nuts to like try new things like he's mm-hmm. like just happy to be where he is mm-hmm. you know so um, his mind doesn't go over matter when it comes to, I don't know, obstacles. Yeah. He's like, okay with where he's at. Um, so anyway, he wasn't uh, going up and down stairs to the point that Phil, you would bring him in the house and I have stairs no matter how you take <laughs> it to get into my house, yeah. front door, back door. And so uh, Phil would be carrying this uh, quickly growing dog. <laughs> he's a big boy. <laughs> it's like bigger than your second grader mm-hmm. at this point. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, cause he couldn't do stairs. So anyway, my dogs do stairs and love to do stairs and really like could not figure out why Theo would not go up and down the stairs with them. And so, um, after maybe like three nights of Theo being at our house, he like finally got it. Like he understood how to do mm-hmm. the stairs. And then we had another problem that our basement stairs, when you get halfway down onto a landing, then they're like the kind of stairs that don't have a back on them. So like you can see through them. Yeah, and it's terrifying. Extra scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then Theo needed a lot of encouragement to get all the way down. So anyway, last week, um, Theo again, master of half the stairs and then he would get stuck <laughs> on the mezzanine and yeah. couldn't get down and so our dog dallas went downstairs and got like every single toy that they have in the basement and the basement is like the land of misfit toys it's like the place where <laughs> all of the toys end up they end yeah. up downstairs um and so he's I mean, no exaggeration. There's probably like 35 squeaky toys that <laughs> Dallas has collected from the basement. And he's brought them like one by one and squeaked them at the base of the stairs at Theo, who's watching, <laughs> like salivating over yeah. the toys, but uncertain that he wants to walk down. And so by the end, it eventually worked. Mm-hmm. Theo went down and it was no problem. Wow. Like the rest of the night. But. I took a picture and sent it to you, Phil, yeah. because it was probably the cutest thing I've ever seen. Dallas had a little pile dog. of <laughs> doggy toys at the bottom of the stairs just <laughs> trying to get Theo to come down. Yes. like, And and I left the pile there for like a couple of weeks because I just thought it was so cute. That's some next level cognition there. Like, yeah. I think maybe Dallas, <laughs> he might save you in a fire someday or something. I mean... That's some high-level thinking. It is high-level thinking. Some problem-solving. Save me from a fire, I don't know. But he (laughs) does have some pretty, uh, you know, Pearl and Dallas both have some pretty high-level thinking skills. But their motivations are often not always. They have disordered hearts. Yeah, you know. Passions. Their passions are disordered. Their passions are not ordered (laughs) the way that mine are. So... Oh man, anyway. that's a fun story. It was cute. Dogs are so squishy yeah. and cute. Oh man, Theo's funny. I like having a dog. Your dog is so big. Mm-hmm. He's growing. So He's five months. Big. He's got to be just about forty pounds now. 
at five months, I'm thinking. But I haven't weighed him in a while. Mm-hmm. He's also mostly like hair. Like he's very poofy. Yeah, he's, he's big, but like he's easy to pick up still. Yeah. Like he's not heavy. Not real thick. It's distributed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well anyway, there, there was an article this last week in The Atlantic that I thought was worth bringing up. And it's a very long article. It's written by Jonathan Haidt, who I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Jonathan Haidt. It is Haidt, but it's print. Like people always pronounce it Haidt. If you've ever heard Mm. of Jonathan Haidt, it's because his last name is spelled H A I D T. Mm -hmm. And so people assume that's how you say it. You think that you were being um, just right. But it's Haidt. I would highly recommend any of his books. I've read two of them. And the one I'd recommend the most would be The Righteous Mind. And it's just talking about why can't we get along? Like, mm-hmm. why can't the two sides of the political coin ever speak the same language, ever get along? And he's talking about kind of the, the way our brains are just, they just function differently. We have different moral foundations, as he calls them. Um, it's very enlightening and I think mm-hmm. is important in terms of trying to get us to a place where we can have good public discourse again. Mm-hmm. But this article, um, it's uh, really good. It's, it's What's it called? It's called Why the Last... past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. It's from the Atlantic. Did you say that? I did. Okay. But that's all right. And he starts out with a biblical reference. Talks about the Tower of Babel, you know, and There's a fabulous illustration. That's kind of how we, yeah, by illustration, you mean like actual drawing. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there's an actual drawing of the Mm -hmm. Tower of Babel. But he's also using it as an illustration Mm -hmm. about where we are. Because it's (laughs) creepy because it's an illustration of the Tower of Babel, but it's got all these like digital, like, um, like a Nintendo Lego movie kind of thing. Like the, it's like falling apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's creepy. I don't know. It's effective. I I agree. Not for the, uh, audio medium well done whoever did it but (laughs) anyway i'm just gonna read a little paragraph here because i think it's revealing and and um i don't know it's apropos to our moment in history it says before 2009 facebook had given users a simple timeline a never-ending stream of content generated by their friends and connections with the newest posts on top and the oldest ones at the bottom you remember those days well it's it's what most of instagram is now sure minus ads but it was yeah it was great it i was, remember that hey there's that person from high school i do want to talk to and it was like in order yeah you know? Mm-hmm. This was often overwhelming in its volume, but it was an accurate reflection of what others were posting. That began to change in 2009 when Facebook offered users a way to publicly like posts with the click of a button. That same year, Twitter Twitter introduced something even more powerful, the retweet button, mm-hmm. which allowed users to publicly endorse a post while also sharing it with all of their followers. Facebook soon copied that innovation with its own share button, which became available to smartphone users in 2012. Mm -hmm. Like and share buttons quickly became standard features of most other platforms. Now, here's what's important. Shortly after its like button began to produce data about what best engaged its users, Facebook developed algorithms to bring each user the content most likely to generate a like or some other interaction, eventually including the share as well. Mm -hmm. Later research showed that Posts that trigger emotions, especially anger, at outgroups are the most likely to be shared. Now, do you remember, Phil, I can't remember if he says anything about this in the article because I've only seen tiny bits of it. I haven't read the whole thing through. Um, the, the way that Facebook put it, like Facebook didn't hide that this was happening. There was a big shift um, somewhere around 2013, 14, 15 time where they made it really explicit. Like, first of all, do you remember poking? Oh, yeah. 
Facebook but that used was to have dumb. poking. <laughs> and it was dumb and pointless yeah. and no one knew what it was for. Um, I think the closest thing they have now is that wave when somebody mm-hmm. becomes your friend and they wave at you from Messenger. Yep. <laughs> the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. You're just like... Um, but there was a point where we got the like button and then not too long afterward, Facebook changed its algorithm and publicly let everybody know here's why we're doing this so Mm -hmm. that you only see you're getting overwhelmed by all these ads we're showing you and you're getting overwhelmed by all of this extra content people are posting uh because we added a share button and started like really pushing articles and things like that and not just like your mom's recipe for apple Mm -hmm. strudel Mm -hmm. and so now you're overwhelmed right and, and the reason is because we made you overwhelmed with extra content yep. and now people are sharing it and that's crazy. So to make it simpler for you, we're going to change it. So, uh, you only see stuff you want to see. Yeah. You force rank the stuff you want to see. But also the ads mm-hmm. and, uh, extra stuff that people share that, you know, but like the stuff you like, and then we'll show you more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but plus also still all these other things. And so it just made it so people were less and less personable on Facebook. And Facebook was, I remember specifically, um, cause I was working for a church at the time where like, this was a part of my job, like figuring out how to post stuff online. Yeah. And I remember specifically the shift where Facebook specifically said, this is for you. Like mm-hmm. we are doing this for you. Never mind, we made it awful. Like we created the monster, and now we're trying to set up a closet for you to go hide in, where you only see. Like the we're going to curate your world to see. Like according you to your taste, are curating your world, mm-hmm. and we are helping you. Yeah. Um, and it was all for our benefit. Mm-hmm. And then the monster just grew three more heads. <laughs> the thing that okay, here, so like democracy is by its nature, supposed to suppress the innate tribalism within us by basically saying, oh, you might disagree. You might even hate that person next to you, but tough. You got to live with them, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you got to respect them, and they get a say, too. And everyone right? has a voice, and mm-hmm. then the balance but is democracy. What, but the, the, the undoing of that is happening here because we're now, we now have a mechanism wherein our tribalistic impulses are being... Uh, stoked, you know, and mm-hmm. um, validated, and that and uh, reconstituted essentially mm-hmm. um, within our like right under the nose of our democracy. And so, I don't know. I I simply maybe Christians instead of boycotting, uh, I don't know, Target and certain books and stuff like like maybe we should boycott. Starbucks. So we don't really we don't really uh you know. Maybe we should boycott social boycott media. Boycott Starbucks anymore because who can live without that? But uh, me, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. It'd be hard for me to boycott social media. But I don't know what the Christians Starbucks, are boycotting these days. I don't either. But <laughs> yeah, like social media, that would be great. Anyway, because let's be real here, uh, it's just gen- it's stoking the flames of our sin. <laughs> you know, like the worst <laughs> things about us is what it's doing. But this article is uh, worth reading and. Uh, We'll post a link yeah. to it. But, and there's also something I like about The Atlantic is you can actually listen to the article with I audio. Know. And I don't know if you know this, but our pathway is actually designed after mm. the way that The Atlantic structures its online articles. Well, I've seen various places do that. I yeah. Don't, but, but the way that it looks specifically, that mm-hmm. was, I, I intentionally gotcha. copied. There you go. <laughs> there you go. FYI. Um, but yeah. Anyway, check it out. Something to think about. There's something hopeful in there. (laughs) I don't know. 
the I don't know about hopeful, but definitely a, a warning and a call to action of like, y'all, we gotta, um, we gotta put a short leash on this thing, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and I and I would totally say, like, did you listen to the uh, holy post this week? Nope. They had a dumb story about this like uh, gorilla in a zoo that's gotten so distracted by people's cell phones because they show him like videos and other okay. stuff and like take pictures of him and show him and stuff like that. And so he's become so obsessed with like watching people's screens really, and asking for them to do it mm-hmm. that uh, apparently like another male gorilla charged him and he didn't see it coming. Oh. And like... <laughs> Uh, so, what an allegory. So, so now the zoo is putting in like, you know, protocols about like, you can't, you know, mm-hmm. share your screen with the gorilla because <laughs> he's become addicted and he's yeah. losing his sense of like natural order. He's no longer a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. He's a teenager. Human, human teenager. Ugh. Oh, hey, we're going to finish our book study. That's how long we've been doing this now because we took For a little so break in the middle. Long. We so took we're, a little break. It was. We're finally going to... We're not gaslighting you. If you remember it being longer than little, it was. It was a month, at least. It was least. a long time, yeah. Um, we're going to finish our book study on how not to read the Bible, making sense of the anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery, and other crazy-sounding parts of Scripture by Dan Kimball. And we're going to finish off with part six today, which is where he talks about all the violence in the Old Testament. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Difficult to know where to jump in on this because it is a big, big question. Something that I've wrestled with myself, I'll continue to wrestle with. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that you wouldn't necessarily want your small children to read, isn't there? Um, There is. If they made a movie of the Bible that was actually accurate. I mean, we had that issue come up with our middle school girls group. They were reading through the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) And we had to uh, say, hey, maybe that story... Uh, maybe not that one, yeah. <laughs> like, but Hey, you know, that's appropriate though. That's, I think at least, you know, it, it calls them it perfectly like that illustration of like, just read your Bible, mm-hmm. read your Bible every day, read your Bible. And the other thing and, too, is it's not a completely middle school girls group. There's like elementary age girls yeah, too. They're so. like young, yeah. they're young. But anyway, the funniness of just like christians always be saying just read your bible read your bible like mm-hmm. everything in the bible is there to make you better holy. Like the more you get it in you the better holy you'll become um and then somebody picks up and starts like just reading their bible and and they're like, like what, what in the world <laughs> which i will still stand by it i do think christians <laughs> should read their bible and that like, by read reading your bible you get to know god's heart more yeah but um, it's, it's sometimes reading your Bible needs to be done in a community and, you know, in a tradition and, and that kind of thing. And you are about to say this in a sermon soon, but the idea that like you, uh, you can just read your Bible. It's, it's not possible to always, you know, get a strong understanding of what the heck is going on. Um, like all of the Bible will, will reveal God's character to you and all of it is, you know, um, has this special extra quality to it that it's not only a book, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's something uh, supernatural happening with scripture, but also like just because you can't understand for the most part, some parts of the Bible when you read it without some extra help, it doesn't mean that there isn't plenty in the Bible that you can't understand. Right. There's a lot there that you can't understand for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I want to summarize what I think are some of the big points that he makes and also people often make um, when responding to the violence in the Old Testament. And I'll start out by just saying these points I think are true. I think they're good, but I'm not going to say they're fully satisfactory. Um, and I think it's important for us Christians to recognize when our answers don't maybe have quite the leverage we think they do with non-believers or they, we think they should um, in order to keep us, you know, continuing to wrestle with it. But the first one is that often we'll say, well, hey, much of that violence is not God doing it and it's not condoned by God. And that's totally true. If like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we see in the Old Testament isn't God and God would be opposed to it. And I mean, Psalm 137, nine was a verse about dashing babies against the rocks. That's not God saying to do that. Okay. It's the psalmist in his anger and, you know, I don't know, sadness and anguish over the loss of Jerusalem, I think, um, saying, you know, basically crying out in this way, but that's not God saying it. Mm -hmm. God doesn't like babies being dashed against rocks. And you can do that with a lot of the, the, Old Testament passages. Quite a bit of it can be explained by saying that's describing how someone felt or thought or acted, but Mm -hmm. not what God is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true, but it's not fully satisfactory because that's not the case for all of the (laughs) violence in the Old Testament. The second one would be this. We we often say much of the violence is against evil people and groups, and we'll try to really bring out just how evil these people are. And he does that in the book. He talks about how, you know, they would Canaanites would sacrifice children to the god Molech and not like how evil people are and also how they just had completely different ideas of like justice or how to bring about something from the gods Mm -hmm. things like that like they weren't evil as in like this is terrible I'm sure that the Canaanite mothers weren't like yeah yeah. let's sacrifice our children Yeah. yeah they weren't all just like so depraved that that felt completely natural Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yes so sure so anyway but yes a lot of the people in the old testament that got quote-unquote smote (laughs) uh were not great people okay and that's true but still not satisfactory because number one well there's plenty of us would rightfully wrestle with whether or not that's just number two not everybody it would have been a horrible person necessarily children, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, we wouldn't normally think deserve innocence. those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plenty of innocence. Number three, <laughs> the point of the conquest was to clear a space for a holy nation to bring light to the world. So this can is, I, can I just like go back quick? Yeah. Cause I feel breaks. like it's good to sprinkle. I'm just going to break. Am I, gonna am break. I charging through fast? I through always, this too fast? when we do this kind of conversation, I am always like listening super hard and then trying to listen on behalf of someone else. But number one, can I just stop and say, whenever I hear the word smote, I think of Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. Okay. You know, when he's like, I don't know. Uh, like I threw down my enemy and he fell from the high place <laughs> and broke the mountainside where he smote it. And it's ruin or something like that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm and just excited to get to use the word smote. Yeah. But there's a lot of times in the Bible where it does actually kind of feel like it's like playing out like that. Like just like, <laughs> brr, brr, like things like that happening. And I think, um, you know, as we're about to keep talking about, people are just like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. And that's the God you want me to like cuddle yeah. up to like a lamb? Right. 
<laughs> so to reiterate, first, a lot of times we'll say, you know, hey, we'll point out that a lot of that violence you see in the Old Testament isn't of God. It's not condoned by God. And that's true. Number two, we'll point out that much of it is against evil people and groups. And that's true. And actually, the the vileness of some of their behaviors are is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, whether or not that justifies the violence or not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's this is a common uh, response. It's what people say about what, why it happened. That's what he does in the book, too. Number three... Uh, the point of the, for example, the Canaanite conquest where God commands them to go and to take the land and to not leave anyone alive. Uh, the point of that, everybody, yes, everybody (laughs) must die. I think even animals sometimes. Uh, the point of that was to clear a space for God's people to become a holy nation in order to bring light to the world. And so this, this argument's kind of an ends justifies the means argument. Mm-hmm. Um, or like they were all like of a quality that cannot exist in this new thing that God is doing. Therefore, it must be cleansed. Yeah, more. Kind of it's it's more of um, God wants to show the world how to live well, but in order to do that, His people must have a space to live well in. Mm-hmm. And but we so couldn't just move these people. Over. I got to clear you out first. We have to like take it like a sponge mm-hmm. and soak everything up and then get rid right. of it. Yeah. Yes. So we need some space for Israel in order to show the world how to actually live peacefully and well. Mm-hmm. Um, and God needed them to destroy everything and everyone and like all of the idols and everything, mm-hmm. you know, in order to completely cleanse the land so that they're not tempted to fall into those idolatrous practices themselves, thereby ruining the whole plan, you know? And that's true. Like that is, that, that is what happened. Like they didn't do the things that God told them to do. And guess what? they started committing idolatry Mm -hmm. and ultimately kind of failed in their mission of being a light to the world, hence the need for Jesus. So moving on, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about that? You want to sprinkle on that at all? There's just all different kinds of times in the Bible where like uh, your pastor's going through a book of the Bible and just like a bit every week. And the sermon this week is this story about how God told the Israelites to kill absolutely everyone in this city. And then they did pretty much, but not quite everyone. And then God was mm-hmm. mad because they this didn't guy kill everyone. left somebody alive. Yeah. Saul they, left the king alive. And so now Saul yes. is judged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, you know, you got to obey God whatever he tells you to do all the way or you're not obeying him Mm. (laughs) right and so your point is that those sorts of sermons don't get at the underlying questions of okay but god asked people to kill everyone waving Mm -hmm. there's hand waving at like this was a different time and god needed to do all these things and this is just Mm -hmm. how it had to happen you know but like people hearing that are like uh Mm -hmm. so again my point in going through these these responses to the violence in the bible is to say yes they're true but i don't think they're fully satisfactory i'm going to come back at the end and address at least how i do it in my Mm -hmm. mind um you're overviewing things that have been brought up in the chapter yes and the different angles from which Mm -hmm. things that he brings up in the chapter also things that i've I've heard others bring up which we both know but i just think sometimes in the podcast we start talking and then uh, it's easy to get lost i agree so let's hit the brakes every now and then (laughs) remind ourselves what we're doing (laughs) all right the fourth reason often given or um solution for the problem of violence is this well and he does this in the book as well people they're given the chance to repent and when they do God shows mercy. For example, Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jonah is sent to Nineveh. They're very evil. Lots of nasty things going on in Nineveh. But mm-hmm. when he preaches to them, they repent. And God relents. 
cool. So uh, I guess the implication here is if only, you know, the Canaanites and the Egyptians had, well, you know, God did give Pharaoh lots of opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have to end up in the bottom of the uh, Red Sea, but they didn't listen. And so if only people would listen, then perhaps all these things wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's true in certain places. The story but of is Rahab, it satisfactory? Like Rahab and her family, they get mm-hmm. saved. Yep. The wall comes down. Yep. They were, you know, ex, you know. She's in Jericho, faith. but yeah. she goes with God and mm-hmm. does the right thing. And so she's saved. Um, next one. <laughs> but God was like everybody else. Everyone else <laughs> smoked. Uh, next one, you know, we'll point out that it was a very violent time. Um, and this is true. Like there, we don't have a category for the, just the violence that most of human history has had to suffer under. And still today. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, we're a little unique in that we see violence in the old Testament and see it as something weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, not every day. Right. Yeah. I, I think that we wrestle with the violence in the old Testament to a much greater degree than our forebears did. Ancestors did. Um, I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but we'll just kind of say, hey, look, this was just kind of part and parcel of life back then. It wasn't so weird back then to read these kinds of stories. That's just the way life worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, chill out, basically, is kind of the, the message. And that's true, but is it fully satisfactory? Well, I don't know. Uh, not for me, at least. And then <laughs> the final one, well, when you say, well, what about all the innocent babies that died? Um, people will say, well, those children went to be with God in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it a little better at least. And again, that's true, but I would hope that that's not like, oh, well in that case, yeah, yeah, smite away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just gave six things that are often used to respond to the violence in the Bible. Maybe the accumulation of them all, like in the aggregate, you know, kind of helps take the edge off a little bit, but I'll be honest, for me, um, I think we just have to accept that it's there, you mm-hmm. know, and that it's, we can say, yeah, that's weird. And uh, there's the idea that um, to be a Christian is to be on the journey of becoming the fullest human that God created you originally to be. Like your your goal as a Christian is to know God and have that transform you into the cleanest, purest, holest whole really doesn't have like a you know superlative does it (laughs) most holy most you know you're whole um but like the goal is to um be able to experience the world with like utter honesty truth clarity for what it is like even now even before everything's perfect later all of that and so a lot of what we do i'm i've officially talked long enough that i've now like lost my voice i hear it you're losing the edge so, um, I just want to PSA COVID real COVID mm. is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the point is that you're, you're like, a you're, you are not escaping the terrible things in the world. You are joining with God to the point that you see things like he sees them. You hate the same stuff he hates. You don't get to leave violence and horrible things and all of that behind and i think some of the dissonance comes because so much of like american christian life tends to be marketed as like this is your escape sure from these things mm-hmm. but the bible forces you again and again to say these things are both true mm-hmm. 
you know, like, um, and I was just reading N.T. Wright this morning and, um, like that, that point that I think a lot of times, um, I tend to picture myself as a person who's like living in the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that really like N.T. Wright, so good at reminding you you're living in like resurrection Sunday life all the time and also there's more coming and mm-hmm. so it's not like you're waiting like you are you are currently living in the post-resurrection yeah reality but, right now but pre-consummation yeah. yes and so um we have that as our hope so that we can just look at the bible honestly and say it never lets you just escape Mm -hmm. like awful confusing weird things happen all the time and god allows things to happen all the time that we don't understand Mm -hmm. that's reality yeah and i agree with everything you just said you've painted a a lovely picture of god which i agree with of a god who um you know whose heart is for the good and the beautiful and for reconciliation and for renewal and these things but boy Sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, ah, I'm not seeing it here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see. And that's, you know, that's the point of this chapter in Dan Kimball's book, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, a couple of things that I would add um, to what you just said would be, number one, I do think that Jesus supersedes in some sense other parts of, well, the Old Testament. I think that there is a movement in Scripture. I don't know what words best to um to use certainly jesus fulfills the old testament law um and certainly jesus points us uh not well yeah was the bible say that jesus is the image of the invisible god the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell in him Mm -hmm. that's in colossians um so when we want to know what god is like we should look at jesus and the reason i bring that up is because he even in this book um I think would disagree with me on this. And so on page 266, Dan Kimball writes, people may not actually erase or remove parts of the Bible, but we see sections of the Bible being reclassified and treated differently from more quote, God inspired parts. I wouldn't want to say that one part is more God inspired than another or anything. Like I think that God has given us the Bible as it is for a reason, but I do think that the Bible itself assumes that there's a certain trajectory, a certain movement of revealing God's nature and character that happens throughout the scriptures. I mean, just look what happens in Matthew 5 when Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus literally says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. He's quoting the Old Testament there. But I say to you, turn the other cheek. And he goes on to give this whole nonviolent ethic mm-hmm. that stands at great odds with what is shown to us in the Old Testament. And so it's entirely new, like it's an entirely new way of looking what at what already is mm-hmm. that Jesus brings. But that's a really good example because kind of what I was getting at before, like it's an entirely new way of looking at the world right now. But also he's saying to turn the other cheek and just take abuse sometimes Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like it's not an escape it's a new way of looking at what's already there it's entirely different and extremely hopeful yeah but it's also not an escape Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from difficulty right yes and he would and it's he would say take the hit on your other cheek but actually in the way of jesus there's a way of dealing with abuse that's just a third way beyond the Mm -hmm. usual retributive violence that we 
think is the only option we've got. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I don't know, you have to read the Old Testament through Jesus. And when you see these things, we have to understand, like, this is not the fullness of the deity yet, right? We do not see the fullness of God in this yet. We learn things about God, tons of things about God in the Old Testament, but at least in my view and in my understanding and what I think is clearly the way the New Testament thinks, um, like we got the best understanding of God in Christ. And so there is something of a movement happening. Like the scripture is not flat, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so there's one thing that I would want to point out. The other thing I want to point out is that the, like the ethical and moral disgust that we feel toward some of these passages in the Bible, we should realize that those feelings ironically are there because we're influenced by the Bible. (laughs) Like the gospel has taken root in our hearts, in our minds, in our culture to some degree to where even non-believers, we now kind of carry with us an ethic that I think has at least much of its genesis in the Jesus movement. That when Jesus starts, I don't know, when the God of the universe is incarnated as a poor man, that brings a significance to, um, to all people that I don't, I think that because of the influence of the gospel, we recognize more than we would otherwise. Mm -hmm. And actually there's tons of historians and writers that will argue this to a very strong degree. Um, and my favorite book would be by David Bentley Hart. It's called atheist delusions. Uh, but anyway, if you want to read more about how the gospel has shaped us in our moral and ethical structures, um, you should check that out. And so it's, it's just this weird kind of ironic almost sense in which when we look at those difficult passages in the Old Testament and we do it kind of with abhorrence, we should recognize that that's, that's the gospel at work in us. Like we're more Christian than we realize when we have those, those kind of reactions. Mm-hmm. Now, again, nothing that I'm saying like fully wipes away the problem of violence in the Old Testament. Um, but that's why I'm like, look, our faith is not built simply off the Old Testament. It's built off of Jesus mm-hmm. as revealed in the Bible and the Old Testament's part of that. So anyway, hopefully something we've said is helpful and that wasn't just a big word salad, but actually makes some sense. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in short, Jesus brings an entirely new perspective that is God's perspective mm-hmm. about what the heck is going on here. So I advocate um, for a Jesus yeah. hermeneutic. Like <laughs> how do you read the scripture? You read it through the lens of Jesus. Who is Jesus first? Like that, that's the point. We are followers of Jesus. We're not followers of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We're followers of Jesus. The Bible is, you know, the clearest picture we have to who Jesus is. That's why it matters so much. So, And like, you know, when you look at how Jesus treated people, what he taught people, all of that, it wasn't like this, you know, it wasn't continuing with this idea that uh, I'm here to make everything new. So we got to like get rid of everything again. He's just Mm -hmm. showing them here's an entirely new way to actually live your life. Like we mentioned before, like um, when someone insults you, you can not fight back, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Um, that's new like that's a way to make things new and so for those weird passages where people are getting smote cleansed (laughs) the earth is swallowing uh, people up yeah or god uh, tells his people to like kill every man woman and child and cow (laughs) and plunder them like (laughs) all those things mm -hmm. (laughs) you know those things 
are just meant to be difficult. There was no point in history where that wasn't horrible, even when it happened. Nobody mm -hmm. was like, oh, that's good cool. on you. Okay. <laughs> you know, no one was. And so um, being a Christian is to know that you are with God, you're with Jesus, sitting with all of these things, and you're not meant to escape them, but you are meant to live your life now in light of what you know mm -hmm. ab about like an ultimate reality. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. And I don't want to end this on just trying to like apologize for scripture because I want to go on the positive argument side of things, like on the offense a little bit and say, actually, I believe that, and I've just acknowledged all the difficult things in the Old Testament. But I actually want to argue though that the Bible gives us the most complete and sensical picture of human flourishing that we can come up with. Um, in fact, most of the innate sense of justice and that sort of thing and virtue that people carry around with us today, I think it's in the Bible and it's probably there more than, than what we moderns, we tend to think that mm -hmm. we're super enlightened and stuff. Actually, I think that, I mean, man, think about the Genesis, the creation story. God mm -hmm. created humans as royalty, not mm -hmm. as slaves, as its neighbors often did the other Canaanite or Babylonian and creation stories. And you can even did. kind of think about not only that, but also just like times in relatively recent human history in European recent human history, for example, where the Bible is the thing that transformed society to a place where they decided maybe it wasn't okay to just say some people are just born poor and they're here to work. Mm -hmm. Like from the moment they can hold a shovel, mm -hmm. you know, like the Bible is the thing in the 1700s that told people in England right. that it's probably wrong to mm -hmm. just let some people be urchins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> like that, that's not that long ago. David Billy Hart would say that that started the day that they recorded Peter's tears when the rooster crowed. Like mm -hmm. Peter is this poor peasant who just failed his master. He's a miserable, pathetic person. In the ancient world, he would be, not be worth our time. And yet the gospel writers record his tears. Why? Because he matters, because mm -hmm. he's a human, because he's been imbued with dignity by God. And that's a revolution in human thought. And so, um, yeah, the Bible is, I think, a magnificent book. Clearly, I recognize the difficult parts of it. Um, but I think any honest approach to scripture cannot help but realize, wow, this has the message, like this has the solution to mm -hmm. our problems. You know, like if we were to take seriously just 10% of the things that it tells us to live like, mm -hmm. that would revolutionize culture. Like you can, you can focus on being so upset about the things that are happening because they're upsettable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but we could also take uh, the bulk of our energy and say the Bible gives me a lot of clarity about how to live my life so that less of that stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes, there are some weird passages about going in and conquering nations. But you know what else the Bible has? It has God dying mm -hmm. for his creatures, okay? Like, that's the bigger takeaway in my mind. Mm -hmm. Let's not miss the forest for the trees here. Um, those other things uh, we've just done, we've just gone through a litany of ways that we can kind of think about them, understand them some better than others. I think there are ways to think about it. I didn't even mention Greg Boyd has stuff out and he writes about how in his view, um, and he, I don't know, you have to read the book. I'd encourage you guys to read it, but in his view, uh, God sort of stoops down and allows us to, uh, in the old Testament, well, in the whole Bible, write things about him that are not befitting of his nature mm -hmm. because of his humility. Like 
all the God stoop stuff. Like yes. God brings himself down low. Mm-hmm. And if you're disgusted by some of these things, this is God involving himself in things. Yeah, that, Voluntarily allowing us to yeah. misrepresent him because of his humility. And there's actually some textual evidence for it that's kind of interesting. So you should check out his book. It's called Cross Vision. That's the shorter version of it. He's also got a big two-volume uh, set about violence in the Old Testament if you want the big one. But th- my point there is that there's lots of also very scholarly, high-level literature written out there trying to resolve these issues, and it might be worth checking out. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, we're gonna, what are we going to do next? Times. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> Tell us. Have we got... A surprise. It's going to be you. a wild summer here on the Table Church podcast. It is. So, beginning next episode and throughout the summer, every week, we are going to have a conversation with a different person, sometimes a group of people. Maybe some people will come back more than once mm-hmm. uh, for a series called Nerd Zone. <laughs> Nerd Zone. Yes. And so, these are people. Um, most of them from table church. I think we talked about maybe a couple times bringing in a true nerd from another, uh, another field discipline field. This whole podcast series we just did is basically my turn on nerd zone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we both have like connections with people where like, it would be really fun to nerd out about mm. this on the podcast. So this random thing you're really um, into. Yeah. But the bulk of the episodes are going to be, um, uh, a, a chance for us to nerd out with someone from the Table Church family about um, some of the things they love most. Sometimes it will uh, cross over um, from like what they do for their day job, mm-hmm. and sometimes it will be completely separate yep. from. You're, what gonna, they you're gonna be do like, "Oh, I money. know you. I had no clue you were into that." Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and so we have. I'm telling you, it's a pretty good list. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> We're going to learn some stuff about some stuff. We are just going to get together every episode and just nerd out about something different. Right. And we're going to let other people nerd out because we're just going to yeah. sit there and enjoy it. We, I would say the list, it looks pretty fun, but I don't think you or I really nerd out about any of the things nope. that are coming up. So no. we're the learners. No, I'm excited to learn about Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm, people are just going to come and like, introduce us to this thing that is awesome that we didn't even know was mm-hmm. cool and so we're gonna for this summer phil and i are really gonna put ourselves in the posture of a learner and we're just gonna like invite other people to come on and just nerd out about yeah. what they love so if you're an expert in a particular subject mm-hmm. uh, don't, i don't care what it is yeah uh let us know mm-hmm. and who knows maybe we'll have you on nerd zone all right looking forward to next time thanks everybody <laughs>